Welcome to episode 12 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRLP. And joining me once again is League Freak, who you can also find on Twitter, at League Freak. How's things at your end of the stick, mate? Pretty good. Uh, looking forward to this episode. It should be a good one. And um, really thankful for all of the support we're getting so far from everyone for the podcast. Our podcast is going absolute gangbusters right now. So it's basically growing every episode that we post. So thank you to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's It's been quite surprising. We don't know if the numbers are fantastic or not, but they look bloody fantastic to us. Yeah, so, it makes us happy. That's the main thing. Yeah. I mean, we keep doing it. Yeah, well, you know, any time that you can get over 10 listeners in a week, wow, we're going great. (laughs) Even if it's by accident, we'll take it. Exactly. Now, before we get into today's episode, we'll say that we now have the uh, podcast available on YouTube. Mm. So you can check it out. It's just on everything now, Spotify, iTunes, you you name it. There's no excuse not to listen to it. Yeah, if you can't listen to it, then it's just an IQ issue and you probably should, you know, just sit in a box or something somewhere. Agreed, agreed. Yes. All righty. Today, we're going to have a chat about the media and their growing disconnect with the fans. So uh, I'll, I'll go through a bit of a, a brief sort of observational history, I guess. Mm. Um, this will be pretty brief. So in the early days of the competition, I'm talking when it was founded, uh, it was mostly match reports and rugby league news was written by just random unknown people within the uh, newspaper. It was free of bias or commentary. It just very simply just told the facts of what happened. Uh, in the 1920s, we saw the likes of uh, legendary rugby league administrator Harry Sunderland writing pieces for the Brisbane Press, which were uh, still as informative, uh, added a bit more colour and a bit more flair, and occasionally in the instances of interstate games, he would show some bias, but it wasn't negative bias. So what he'd do is he'd talk up more glowingly and more um, expressively about the good plays that the Queenslanders did, whereas with the New South Wales players, he just used the more traditional factual reporting. Um, yeah, yeah. The very popular rugby league news magazine started up in 1920 and ran till 1973, and for most, for pretty much the entirety of its existence, they didn't have um, the names of authors of the articles in there either. They just gave the fans exactly what they wanted, which was program, um, talking about the game all around Australia. And it was pretty pretty simple like that, but it, was, it worked so well. Um, I think they stuck to the facts, basically. It was like the, the information that people wanted to get. You know, because because yeah. they couldn't all see it on TV. This was the only way that they could take the game in in some circumstances, and they tried to give you all the information that was possible. That's exactly right. And they also started on trying to um, expand on the engagement fans would have with the game. So that's why things like talking about how former Sydney players were performing in country New South Wales or up in Queensland or over in England. Yeah, and it was just... Yeah. It just took that next step further to get people a bit more uh, knowledge-wise on the game, I guess, and how everything was going at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, from about the 1960s, but more definitely more prominent in the 70s and 80s, uh, journalists started using, you know, they started putting their names to the pieces, which is fine, and but they'd also start doing profiles on players. And they were all positive. It was yeah. like talking about, you know, what their jobs were and what it was like having the job that they had and doing training mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And they were all quite pretty... Um, 
pretty standard sort of thing, but they were also good because it gave the fans a little bit more of a deeper insight to the game. And yeah, it sort of yeah. it helped them get that little bit closer to players at a time when players were starting to get paid decent money. And yeah. not that they were on massive money, I guess, at the time either, but you know, through the first 40, 50-odd years of the game, most of the fans would work alongside the players in the same jobs. Whereas yeah, once and seven started to come along, you'd start getting a little bit of a disconnect. But yeah, not and much it was like it, it, uh, it was a change in time for rugby league, and it helped them to it helped them to uh, relate to to players by doing stories like that. Um, because as you say, it was it, the game went from like you know I'm working alongside this dude that on the weekend is a star for say St George or something, and then all of a sudden that there was just that moving away. It was just progress for the game. That's right, yeah. And so this is a way of of keeping that that feel together there. Um, in the 1990s came full time professionalism with rugby league players. And then came along the Super League War. Along the Super League War then saw, obviously, you know, four or five years where it was just a lot of rumours that were going around, controversy, and also vested interest within the media. And this all saw a major shift in how the game was reported. And we could probably argue that that mentality that came along then is what's continued on till now. Yeah, and definitely. has probably become more skewed to trying to report more on the negative aspects of the game because um, as the media outlets found through the Super League war, the negative press about the game that had always been reported in a positive light was Mm. helping to sell a lot more newspapers and a lot more media. So they've just sort of stuck with that recipe. And I think, and and it's like a generation of, of writers as well. That's what they, they were learning at the time. It's like, um, you know the the positive player profiles or talking about the game itself. That's not what your you know your editor wanted to see. He wanted to see something about what was going on behind the scenes. He wanted to hear about which clubs are going bust, which clubs are you know which players have issues, and it just it really was like a a switch flicked. And especially with the the interest, the self-interest of the different media outlets as well. Instead of just reporting on the game, and, and there was always this thing of like, well, I, I, I call it as I see it and stuff, that went completely out the window to now all of a sudden the media was in teams themselves and they reported as such. Yeah, it was very um, propaganda-like to, to an extent, I guess, from, from both sides. You know, this is yeah. why you should be with this media outlet and this is why you should be with that one and... Mm. Um, and then you have media outlets siding with Super League and the ARL, mm-hmm. so it got yep. very, it got very murky very quickly, and mm-hmm. the interest of the game were left at the door because yeah, it became yeah. about the interest of the media, um, and I think that disconnect began there that we have today, and it's only grown since then because they've tried to stick with that method that worked during Super League mm-hmm. and tried to maintain that. I don't dare say maintain that rage, I guess, but yeah. they don't have a Super League war underpinning it all to help fuel it along. And so the media is doing more work now to try and keep it going, to try and keep selling papers in what I call a false economy because eventually people get used to the same, the same sort of controversy all the time. Mm-hmm. So in order to sell more papers, you need to find a bigger controversy. 
Yeah. And at the at the at the end of the day, you're going to get to a point where the controversy just cannot get any bigger. Yeah, and we and we've talked about this a little bit already. And the other thing to keep in mind is that. Coming out of the Super League war, one of the major publishers owned 50% of the NRL. And then when they left that, you start to come into the era of social media where it's not about the quality of the content that you're putting out there. It is about the noise and, and the attention that it gets, whether it's good or bad attention. It all comes up as the same sort of thing, which is just flat-out attention. So if you write a, a horrible, terrible story about something in the game, and look, sometimes it's justified, but if you write a terrible story and everyone blows up about it and they start sharing it around and say, oh, look at this terrible garbage, you know, um, that, that at the end of the day gets the media the sort of hits and attention and reads that they want. And they, exactly they right. live off of, you know, so it's a little bit of a weird cycle that the media are in. And I think that, as you've said, right now, we're starting to see a bit of a change in that you can't, it's the cry wolf scenario. It's like, you can't say that the game is dying. The game is going to be killed off by this, you know, for 10 years without eventually been saying it. And then people are like, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. And I, it's going to be interesting to see how the media deals with that going forward. Especially given a lot of the fans, are, in the last few years especially, more so than ever, are demanding better, fairer, more honest, um, factual reporting and less of the rumour-mongering that goes on. Yeah, definitely. Um, because it wasn't until, you know, from after Super League, it wasn't really until the Asada case came along that we saw the same sort of vitriolic um, rambling and rumour-mongering going on within the media as what had gone on during the Super League war. And yeah, yeah. a lot of it, a lot of it was rumours that had no no, no basis behind it. I remember seeing some, some people um, in the mainstream media saying, oh, yeah, there's going to be a, a big meeting at uh, a big press conference going on at the Sharks Leagues Club later on this afternoon. Stay tuned. And... Nothing ever happened, and it yeah. wasn't. They, they, the rumor itself was pointless because part mm-hmm. of it was not so much about whether the rumor was right or not. It was about getting that journalist some some profile. Yeah, yeah, and you started to see uh, a move into, and and this is something too that you can think about as well, where you go from one point in the game where people would do. Um, you know, a review of what happened in the game. They wouldn't even put their name to it. It was just, you know, that their job was to report the facts of the game and they weren't really important. And whereas now you're starting to get uh, a lot of people trying to build a profile for themselves. And look, it's just what happens. It's it's the way modern entertainment is. Uh, They're trying to build a, a profile for themselves where they are as much the the story as the story they're talking about and so it it makes for a bit of a weird thing of like where does your self-promotion end and the talking about the actual game begin that's exactly right and look to some extent um given that you and i are both people have done an awful lot of rugby league writing in the you know recent times and in the past Mm mm-hmm we, we've also, whether we wanted to or not, have had to do, you know, work in that area just to get noticed. 
Yeah, yeah. But we we've both always drawn the line at not going into self promotion and trying to say this is how many promo you know, how many predictions or rumors I got right or that sort of crap. Um well, you've got to be able to put your failures it. up. Like, you've got to be, you can't well, go right. out and be like, oh, well, uh, you know, I've got the, the good mail and stuff. But when something goes wrong, and look, we've got an episode that we've already talked about. I've, I've got a predictions thing on my website, and we were going through it a few nights ago. And, like, the, the failures and stuff that I predict, the, the, the things I predicted very poorly, um, it'll be interesting to talk, talk about those. But... You don't see that a lot with the mainstream media. They don't acknowledge the failures. Um, they don't even like, and it's not even as though you you wouldn't forgive them for failures because sometimes circumstances change. You know, if a player says, "Oh, if they say, oh, this player is going to sign for a club," and they don't sign for a club, instead of just saying, "Well, look, the circumstances change. I got a better deal elsewhere," and what happened happened. It's like. No, I don't even acknowledge that. That didn't even happen. I'm just going to ignore it. And I, I think that most people don't respond well to that sort of um, mindset. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think one person who comes to mind um, in that regard is um, the the mole. Used to be the rugby league week mole because um, he he has a lot of connections within the game, you know, players and player managers stuff like that. So he gets wind of a lot of rumours there about player movements and potential ones. But just because it's a rumour doesn't mean, A, it's going to come true, or B, it's not doesn't have any basis of fact about it. You know, it can be both. <laughs> you know, so any rumour can start out one way and go in a completely different direction. It's not to say that he's wrong when it goes somewhere else. Yeah, he's just yeah, reporting exactly. what he knows. Um, yeah. And the other thing is, too, you've got to look at it from his point of view. Like, the outlet for him to – because he's paid to do a job, which is report on some of the things he's hearing. And a lot of the time his mail is absolutely spot on, well ahead of whatever. And it's not just that it's spot on. He's the one that's uncovering it, and everyone else reports on it, you know. Um, But he does – he's not paid to – go back and say, well, the reason this didn't happen is because, you know, this team did this and this player changed his mind and stuff. So he doesn't sort of go back and say that sort of thing. But I don't think he's ever shied away from the fact that, you know, circumstances change. That's one of the things I like about him. He's like, well, listen, I heard this and it didn't turn out to be the case. Things changed. And, you know, that's very different to some of the other journalists that you see where they just do not acknowledge that at all. It's like that that fails to exist in them their their outlet, I guess, when they make content. Yeah, I think the other thing that frustrates me about them too, which also separates them all from them. Um, God, this sounds like we're promoting them a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> is the mole um, just like you and I are happy to have discussions with people who have a different opinion to us on something that we've said or done. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of these mainstream guys will, as soon as someone comes up with a, a criticism, they just block them straight away. Yeah. And that just creates a, this, this echo chamber. Mm. And that's part of the problem that's caused so much of this disconnect. I think with modern, with a lot of mainstream media guys, not all of them, but with mm-hmm. a lot of them, um, and how they've got to this point where people no longer 
have any interest in them. And all it's doing is creating a wider divide because they're only hearing people who agree with them. They're not hearing all fans. They're not hearing the full story. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're in a bubble. and they're, uh, they're, Yeah, a self-created bubble. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we're seeing that, especially this year, there's been a number of cases where that has really shone through. And, and so let's get into some of those cases. And the first one that jumped at, jumps out at me this year was Ivan Cleary versus the Tigers when Penrith played the West Tigers. And, you know, it, it, it was even shown as being the Clearys, the entire family versus the West Tigers. <laughs> and when I was looking at the reaction of people, especially on Twitter, and Twitter is its own echo chamber, we've got to say that, I Penrith supporters just didn't seem to care whatsoever. I mean, we had our own problems um, for the start of the season. And I got the sense that West Tigers fans didn't really care either because they had Mike McGuire as a coach and they were playing pretty good at the time and they were coming in against an opponent. And there was all of this noise that instead of talking about the game itself, it was Cleary versus the West Tigers, when in reality it just wasn't something that people had any interest in, I felt like. No, nah, look, I, I got in on it for, for shits and giggles. And... Mm. Um, it's amazing. Most people understand the humour. Others think it's being serious. Yeah. But it's... Yes, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I always find this sort of stuff amusing because it's, it's trying to create a story that, that really isn't there, especially this one with the clearies because it's only one player has got a... One club that's got a grievance. Yeah, exactly. It's, it would have been... If so you could have found it, it's one-sided. Yeah, so you just sort of get the fans, uh, in that situation, they feel a bit dudded because they had a coach who'd done good and then, you know, he made all these comments about how he wanted to be everyone on his bus and then he bails and, yeah, a lot of fans decided to get really pissed off about that. I I never really got the outrage. Yeah, yeah. um, Because I figured he's, even though he's left earlier, unlike a lot of the other coaches the Tigers had had, um, he hasn't left the place in a worse position when he, than when he arrived. Yeah, and like, so I was like, when yeah, you get kind of coach thankful like, for what he's done. Yeah, and they, they got a coach in Maguire who had them yeah. playing really well at the start of the year, and he's the we've talked about this before as well. He's the sort of coach that they should give a, a very very long term view to, and hit they will make out good if they do that. And so it wasn't like the Tigers were left in the lurch or come into this season you know, poorly off, they were actually doing pretty good out of the whole thing. And if anything, probably saved themselves some money by Cleary going when he did. And it it kind of worked out for both clubs, I dare say. Well, it worked out for the Tigers. (laughs) First of all, how dare you, okay? (laughs) You know? (laughs) I'd argue that because of what Cleary had done, he cleared up so much of the crap that was going on there in that club, Mm -hmm. front office, Mm -hmm. back office, on the field, that yeah. it probably made the club attractive for Maguire to go there in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And that that argument never gets really raised. Um, so, yeah. That's, and because the Tigers had moved on and actually got a pretty good coach and they were starting to perform reasonably well, I I just didn't buy into the, the animosity. I played along with it just for shits and giggles, as I said. But, yeah, it was, it was kind of funny how that works. And we're seeing it again this week with... Uh, Wayne Bennett versus Anthony Seabold. The clash you'll never get to see. Oh, 
It's and it's been ridiculous. I mean, there's so much to talk about this game between Souths, who are playing absolutely incredible football right now, versus the the Broncos, who that you know they got a good win last week, but they really can't afford to make too many mistakes going forward. Um, and, and for some reason, I mean, I saw one of the mainstream media outlets put up like a boxing head to head between these two coaches <laughs> of like their wins, their losses, their win percentages, the completion rates of their teams. And there's literally no connection between these two blokes other than they just swap clubs in the off season. And Wayne Bennett even talked about it during, you know, a couple of days ago in a media conference. They were like, are hey, you going to talk to, you know, Anthony Seabol? And Wayne Bennett was like, well, I don't really, I don't really know him. I've got no real connection with him. So not in, not really, you know, there's just no connection between them two. And the media is simply, this whole game has been framed between those two middle-aged men. And it's it's like, what are they talking about? There's this awesome game that we've got on, and they're not talking about the game whatsoever. And I think that I've we've both talked about it on Twitter, and there's been a lot of other people talking about it. Like, stop talking about the coaches. Start talking about the game. Yeah, look, my my argument all along has been, it's I don't see it as as hyping the game up because you're not talking about the game. You're talking about what two old blokes are going to say in a press conference after the match has been finished. Yeah, and it's going to be a bunch of inane questions followed by a bunch of mundane answers. Yeah, they're not going to give anything away. No, you know, neither of them are the sort of person that has wants to say anything too controversial. They they kind of both would probably get rid of the media tomorrow if they could, and you know, I don't I don't think that that's what people are looking for. I mean, you've got this great Souths pack taking on this great young Broncos pack, it could be an absolute smash fest in the middle of the field. And instead, we're talking about two two old blokes and, you know, what they're going to talk about. It, it just makes no sense to me at all. It's not the way you'll talk about this game from my point of view. And I think that this comes into, like, the, the media bubble that they're all going and talking to each other. I mean, we saw a lot of people in the media this week saying, oh, how good is Wayne Bennett? And he was talking to us for half an hour and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but what did he actually say? Like, this isn't about you trying to have a one-sided conversation about Wayne Bennett. It's about a game of football. Yeah, and I think this is another thing that adds to the whole discussion about it being, um, about the disconnection between the fans and what the, what the media's doing. This is a story mm-hmm. that that interests the media, not yeah. the fans. And too often we see stories that interest the media, not the fans. Especially, I suppose to go back to another story, last year with the whole rumours around Ivan Cleary leaving the Tigers. Yeah. But we heard the rumour once. We went, okay, it seems like it's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they just kept at it, hammering away at it. I mean, I remember after a match the West Tigers played and the whole post-match press conference was was largely full of questions, mostly from Paul Crawley about, uh, you know, have you had any conversations with Phil Gould? Are you going to the Panthers? And Ivan Cleary just kept saying, mate, I've, I've made a statement this week about all of this. I'm not talking about it now. There was a game that was just on. Let's talk about that. And then another yeah. question to come after it. And you're like, listen, this is the problem that sometimes they just have is that they're not listening to what's being said to them. I understand they've got a job to do. Yeah. But if a, if someone tells you 
that they're not going to tell you anything. Yeah. And then you ask them again, and they tell you that again. At what stage, after how many questions, are you going to sit there and go, you know what? Maybe he's not going to tell me anything. Yeah, exactly. And this that, thing that, is not the story. It's just it's, you're not telling us anything. It's just time wasting white noise. Yeah, and the the thing too is at the end of the year, um, we had a, a number of coaches negotiate to go elsewhere, and it wasn't too many. Or you had others that signed longer term deals with their club. And I remember at the time, it was framed by the media as chaos. It was like coaching chaos in the NRL. And it, it just wasn't chaos. It was literally people sitting down and negotiating their futures with different clubs or their own clubs. And it was all done above board. And, you know, I think that the clubs and the coaches, to their credit, were pretty open about it. Like there was no nothing too underhanded at any stage. And the media was trying to frame it as something that it just wasn't. And I think that fans were really got over it pretty quickly because, you know, if you look at the coaching changes that were made over the off-season, it, it was pretty stable. Like, there wasn't too much that – it wasn't like we had a bunch of coaches sacked and a bunch of coaches changing clubs. It was all quite settled, I thought, and – what the media were trying to generate out of it just didn't seem to line up with the reality of the situation at all. Well, that's a, uh, I, I fully agree. And that's that's part of the problem is sometimes they're self-interested in, in having stories that are going to get a lot of interest. Mm. Is it sometimes they're just not there? And that's just that's just the life of journalism and news. Sometimes you just get a slow news day. Yeah, yeah. It's not a justification to try and create something. And then, I mean, speaking of slow news days, I turned on NRL 360, I think it was on Tuesday, and they literally talked about Cameron Smith possibly coming back to play for Queensland, um, and they talked about it for 20 minutes. And it was like somebody in the background was telling them to stretch it out, stretch it out, because how many times can you say that Cameron Smith plays really well? And how many times can you talk about his record for Queensland? Before, like, it was literally a 30-second conversation. Cameron Smith might come back and play for Queensland. Oh, cool. Let's see what happens. And they went on for 20 minutes, and I thought, okay, I'll chuck it on the next day. We'll see what happens. And they were talking about it again when I turned it on. And I, I was like, I, somebody said on my Twitter list, are you sure you weren't watching a replay? And I wasn't. And it was just crazy to see that they were still going on about it. Because I don't think anybody right now really cares too much about the state of origin team makeups. I think that people get hyped up for it. It may be a couple of weeks out when we do get to the point where you're going to start picking your teams. But right now, I don't think anyone really cares. And if he's going to play, you know, cool, we'll find out. Um, and once again, it just seemed to me like it was that disconnect when they could have been talking about, you know, all sorts of things in the game. There's so many things to do with actual rugby league games to talk about. And I don't know why they focus on these weird things. And the only thing I can come up with is they sit down and they talk amongst themselves about these, these things. And that's where the disconnect is because I don't think fans really care about a lot of this stuff. No. And I think, with with shows like NRL 360, when it first started, it was it was pretty damn good. 
Um, I think the mistake that show made is it's on too often. And so yeah. there's a pressure to provide content when it's just not there. And so you'll find yeah, yeah. even on even on weeks when there is stories to talk about, mm-hmm. they're still just rehashing what they spoke about the night before with just some small twist that's happened in the 24 hours since. Mm. And I just think even if they cut it back to two episodes a week, you know, one on a, one on a Monday, one on a Thursday, mm. it'd probably be a lot better. You'd probably have a lot better content and a lot better discussions going on. But right now, just some of it feels a bit forced. It doesn't feel as good as it used to. And I think the other problem they're having there is, you know, they're, they're surrounding themselves with, with journalists who are push, pushing their stories out there via, you know, one of the biggest mainstream out, you know media outlets there is. Yeah. Their voice is heard pretty much everywhere, just with yeah. their article writing. Yeah. And yet they're being brought on to reiterate what they said again when we've pretty much all read it. And yeah. I think... The, the one thing Fox Sports has done well is on Tuesday nights after NRL 360, mm-hmm. you get you get Andrew Voss as the fan. Mm-hmm. And you get to see that magnificent contrast between what the media is doing mm-hmm. and what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. Because what Andrew Voss does on, that, that, um, on the fan there, that is just fantastic. That's the sort of stuff that fans watch. And when you go onto Twitter or stuff like that or Facebook – and you look up comments about the fan, no one's bitching about it. Everyone's talking about how fantastic it is, how fun yeah. it is, how great yeah. it is. That's what they want. That's that's the content the fans want. And Andrew Voss, despite being in the in the commentary world and the media world for you know a few decades now, mm-hmm. the the bloke has always come across as a fan. Mm-hmm. And he just gets it. And it's yeah. uh, I just don't know how media organizations know he's there. They yeah. see him, they've given him all these roles, and yet they don't pay attention to what he's doing and what he's delivering because it's spun gold. Well, I, I think it's just easier for them to, you know, if you've got all of these people on the payroll and obviously you want to cross-promote uh, across your businesses, and it's it's more it's easier to do an article about something that one of your own writers said the night before on the TV program than it is to uncover a real story <laughs> or talk about the game in any, even in a technical sense, you know, about what's happening on the field and, and why positional changes are going to really hurt one team compared to another, you know, and, and how often do we see stories in the media about, oh, see what's... Uh, you know, and I'll just toss up a name. See what Paul Kent said last night on NRL 360. It, and that's not really a story to me. Like, with all due respect to, to Paul Kent, I don't really care what he said compared to what's happening in the game itself. Um, and, and and that's, I just think it's easier content for them to have. And I think what when, as we start to see clubs create their own content and move away from needing to rely on the mainstream media to get their promotional material out or to do what the media used to do, which was get fans to connect to players via stories because clubs can do that themselves now and they can do it through not only written content, but they can do it through through video, which a lot of clubs are doing really well these days. Now they don't need the mainstream media. They don't need to bring them in and say, look, why don't you do a profile on this player or this player's got a really cool story you might want to talk about. They can do it themselves. 
And so the media now has to look elsewhere for its content. And a lot of the times they're looking at themselves for the content. And I just don't think it works all that well. I, I don't think that too many supporters really care what journalists have to say about what other journalists had to say. Yeah, it's it's creating content for the sake of having content. It's um, it gets a bit tedious at times. Yeah, because people people uh they'll they'll read anything, they'll listen to anything. They listen to us. Yeah, you know, they've read and the stuff I've look, written. Right now, we're talking about what the journalists are talking about. Other journalists saying like, <laughs> you know, we're we're breaking we're breaking the fifth wall here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I had I had someone on Twitter call me dull the other week, and I thought, is it because I'm just reporting on stats in the game? At the end of the day, who cares? A lot of people like it, and a lot of people respond to it, and a lot of media outlets take it. So it can't be that dull, and it must be something that fans want, because mm. you know, I seem somewhat almost... Who the hell is that? Oh, man, someone's calling. You know the drill. You know you know how this works. Okay. Hello. This is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh, it, it's it's someone from the NBN who's going to cancel my NBN connection because the bill's overdue. Ah, oh, there you go. For, well, for uninterrupted services, press one. Okay, here we go. Excellent. Now we have a rule where we have to answer our phone if it rings on a podcast. Yet warts and all, and and this is the rule on the podcast. Hello, who's this? <laughs> yeah, what, what? What? I got told my internet's going to get cut off. What are we going to do about it? What do you want me to do? You want money? And you know what? I don't really need the internet. So you just cut it off for me. Just do it now. No, no, you said you can. How funny would it be if they cut it off? Oh, they hung up on me. Ah, oh, there you go. It would have been really funny, though, if, like, the connection just fell out then. <laughs> and if that was it. <laughs> I figured, oh. you know, you're going to call my bluff and so be it. I'll call yours. Exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> that's great. That's our first call interruption. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that's a monster. I'll do that next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know where I was at before. Say, say, say something to get us back on track. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you know, the general idea that the media is more disconnected from the supporter base than the game itself is able to do through its own social media channels. And it it's really putting the media in a bit of a bind because they're not they're, they're not the go-to for getting content out. And so they've got to generate their own content within themselves. And I, I just think that people don't really connect with it well at all. And, and it's something that the media is going to have to really decide what direction it goes in in the future and how it changes what it's doing because I, I don't think a lot of the personalities that you see, it's very hard to connect with people by being a, just in the media. And you know, one, one area that you see that is with Paul Vorton, who was on the footy show for so long. And you can say whether the footy show worked or didn't work and how it changed over time and how people's 
tastes in what they wanted to see out of shows changed over time. But Channel 9 started to move away from having Paul Vaughton in their coverage. And it didn't work. You couldn't just replace him with somebody else. And he sent him brought back into their coverage a little bit. And for whatever reason, Paul Vaughton has a connection with fans. And he's really good to watch on TV. And I, I found that really interesting in Channel 9 kind of learned a lesson there in that you can't just plug in and play whoever. You've got to look for the people that can connect with the media. And I think we're seeing that with some form of footballers are really good at, like I think Michael Ennis is really good at it. He talks about the game in different different ways and he can talk about it from a technical side. He can talk about it from, you know, more of a fan point of view. And he's really good at that. But you can't just plug in and play any any former player and do that with. And I think the media is starting to learn those lessons now, slowly but surely. You can't also play um, people based on certain stereotypes either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one one thing that's been really good is um, the diversity is starting to be shown in the ga- in the game, especially in the media. Yeah. There's a lot of very talented uh, female presenters out there now. Um, yeah. And I know this, you know, two that always stand out for me are Lara Pitt and uh, Yvonne Sampson. Sorry, I, Yvonne, think, yeah. I, I forgot what your, what your surname is now. Um, apologies for that. But yeah, um, yeah. they're both very knowledgeable on the game, not just on today's game, but they also have good knowledge on the game in the past. And so mm-hmm. that comes across in the way they report on it and the way they interview, um, and they're genuine humans. Yeah, and sometimes you can get a, another person on there. It doesn't matter if it's male or female, but they can come into a role like that as a bit of an outsider without any of that knowledge. And you can yeah. just tell the chemistry's just not quite there, but they've mm. gone with the person for whatever reason. They might have a good name. They might look good on camera, something like that. It's something a bit more superficial. It's not mm-hmm. based on their actual knowledge and passion for the game. And it does sometimes stand out. And sometimes when networks make those decisions to go in that direction, it does fall badly, especially when you're replacing them with someone who, for some reason, we, we don't know. Um, was just popular with the fans for a long time. Yeah. I never really liked Paul Vaughton and the footy show. I barely ever watched it, but I yeah. can't argue with what you're saying. He did have a connect yeah. with the with the fan base there. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, if Peter Sterling's another one. He yes, you know, he for whatever reason it just works. There's a, it's almost like it's a chemistry, and it's it's something that I don't think you could really predict. I think it's something that you'd have to see happen. And, like, I mean, Yvonne Sampson, I think, is the best rugby league television personality that there is. She's just so natural in front of the TV. She promotes real conversations. It's not like she's sitting there. And, look, I'm not saying that she doesn't do this, that she doesn't think, how will I progress this conversation that I'm having? But when she does progress the conversation that they're having with a player or an official or whatever – she she says it in the way that a normal human being would say it. It doesn't sound like she's reading off a sheet. That's, and that's exactly the right. Chemistry. That's that 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 um, I don't even know what you'd call it. No, but the I'd goal. What, it's like it the is, lightning is, in a bottle that you want to capture with somebody. Yeah, you know. I'd say what it is is she's unlike a lot of interviewers, and this transcends rugby league. You mm. see a lot of interviewers today. They've gone right. I've got fifteen questions. I'm just going to read them out when they stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> and. She doesn't do that. She listens to what they're actually saying and asks a question based on what they've said or, yeah. you know, what her next 
you know, if she sees that that line of conversation is gone, she'll move on to the next question then. But it's more of a conversational tone. Andrew Denton is, is the legend for it. Mm-hmm. And um, she goes along in that sort of mindset where she's having a conversation more than a in-depth interview where there's just, you know, I ask you a question, you give me an answer. I ask you a question, you give me an answer. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. feel like you're getting a good um, interview out of it in any way. Exactly. So, no, I agree. She's fantastic. I no doubt about that whatsoever. And, like, me. I was watching, and I can't remember what the show is called. I think it's called League Life, where yes, it's, it uh, yeah, okay. And you could see, and once again, I'm sorry, Lara Pitt, I can't, I can't remember what, what your last name changed to either. I just, I'm terrible with names in general. But you could see, uh, like, Lara and Yvonne Sampson, they and it's something that they have both been doing for a long time and you get reps and obviously you get better at it but the questions that they were throwing at the young Parramatta player whose name once again I can't remember they were fantastic and they were they were really playing off of what he was saying and they were looking for things that were interesting about what he was saying it wasn't just reading off of a sheet and that's something that I think a lot of people in the media should be looking to do more of. Um, I know that when we interviewed Ben Darwin the other day, I tried not to write down too many questions. Obviously, there were a few questions that I had in mind, but it, I, I always feel as though when you try and talk with someone, you want to listen to what they're saying and you want to try and you want to try and dig deeper into what they want to say. Um, and you don't see that always from the media, as you say, they sort of have their set questions. And a lot of the time, it seems like it's the same questions. It seems like they're really basic questions that you could go without asking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yvonne, too, I think, um, she's talking like an awful lot. But she she deserves it. She's brilliant. The thing yeah. I like about her is that you just get the impression that the way she's on camera is mm. practically the same as you get if you just met a one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. And that really comes across because every time she's doing a show on there, doesn't matter who the co-hosts are, they all um, have a good a good time, um, you know, converse, conversing with her, and it's always an entertaining session. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she brings that to it as well as being professional. And, oh, just I, I can't say I've seen a presenter that's come across that's been able to have all of those skills at once. That's there's no it's no surprise that she got poached by Fox from Nine. Yeah. And, um, is, you know, their, their lead anchor on most of the stuff they do there. I couldn't believe Channel 9 <laughs> let her go. I mean, I, I, I thought that you would think that Channel 9 should have said to themselves, look, we've got a keeper. You know, she, and as, as I said, I think she's the best, maybe just the best general presenter on Australian television. Um, and I just can't believe they let her go. And Fox Sports... I don't know what they decided to to pay her, but she's worth every cent. And about a hundred dollars more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's it's incredible that uh, you know she's just fantastic at what she does, and and uh, they really made a very smart decision to get her on. Um, we should try and get her on one day soon, and just talk to her about just generally like her career because. It would be she'd be fantastic to talk to. Absolutely, we'll, we'll try. That can be our 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 life goal for this podcast. Yeah, 
<laughs> you know, she, we, maybe we shouldn't get her on because she'll just take it all over and we'll, we'll just be sitting. <laughs> <laughs> People will be like, wow, you know, maybe we should just listen to her going forward, stuff these two. <laughs> we we uh, have, have her on and uh, <laughs> yeah, just let her take over. It'll just be the, the Vonnie and Yvonne show. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> the best episode ever. We'll just shut up. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be our, our podcast life goal. We'll, we make sure we play this episode just beforehand, mm. just to get her really, um, I suppose, feeling somewhat embarrassed, I guess, by how much praise she's getting because she is quite, <laughs> she's quite humble. So uh, <laughs> that that might put her off a bit. We can just do and lavish praise on her and see if. Uh, <laughs> See how she responds under that sort of positive pressure. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it'd, it'd be great if she if she broke character and came out and says, "I know all this." <laughs> <laughs> Why are you telling me? I listen. I know how good I am. Basically, it'd be weird if she started talking like I talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's well, interesting because we've talked about the the disconnect from the media, and then we've we've almost come full circle to talking about somebody who seems to have that connection with what fans want to know. Yeah, and how, what a refreshing change that is when you see that. Yeah, there's there's two genuine people, and they're both at Fox Sports, and that's that's Yvonne and and, and Andrew Voss. Um, mm. No one can deny their passion for the game and how positive they are about the game. And yeah. that's what people want to see more of. And it's shown by the way their fans respond to them, the way they're treated, the way they re- you know people react to them and stuff like that. Um, you just you just can't beat it. Pe- fans are begging for something positive about the game of rugby league. They're just they're just dying for it. They keep begging for it. They keep haranguing the mainstream media for every time they do some sort of you know hatchet job on the game, especially the the contrived pieces where you know. Some bloke who's done some sort of bloody crime somewhere used to be a footballer for three weeks in a reserve grade team in a rugby league group in bloody Dubbo or something like that. And it's like, rugby yeah. league star, deep drug scandal. And you're like, oh, he's not a star. He barely played the game. What are you, why are you doing this? And it's to get clicks on, no, but it's just people are over that. Do you know and, the ones that I used to hate was, and it was funny because I, Grew up in the same areas in Mount Druitt, and it was all, and it was, you know, weirdly, it was always Polynesian players they said it about, and that can't be, that can't be excused. And it was always player XYZ, you know, come out and and brushed aside a a life of crime and, and gang issues. And it's like, what the hell are these people talking about? Like, I literally grew up like surrounded by many of the players it, it, it like would see them when they were younger and they apparently they were in gangs when they were younger and stuff and it was only the Polynesian players from the area and I always found that gross um yeah. and that there were so many of those stories for a while and it's like that just the the cookie cutter sort of stories that they'd come out with it was very strange and and they wouldn't do it with players that weren't Polynesian that grew up in the exact same areas. I found that really gross. Thankfully, we don't see too many of those articles written anymore. I think that maybe 
um, you know, the, the media self-corrected in that sense. But that was one of those those instances that I used to get pretty upset about when I would see it. I think what's starting to happen, um, we're seeing a little bit of it now for what reasons, you know, there's rumours behind it. We won't go into rumours because that's not what we do, but mm-hmm. um, we're seeing at the moment that the constant negative cycle that's been going on well, initially it hurts the game, hurts the mm. players if it's about them. Um, the media's now starting to see that's also hurting them. Yeah. And when it starts to hurt them, that's when they go, we've got to stop this. Mm-hmm. And that's this is, a, this is one of the, I think, benefits of social media that never gets spoken about, and that is they give an immediate barometer test to mm-hmm. how the media's doing their job and whether they're doing it right or rightly or wrongly. They're finding mm-hmm. out um, just how passionate people are for or against what they're doing, and it's straight away. They don't have to wait for six months down the line to see newspaper numbers dropping off and subscriptions and stuff disappearing or whatever else. They're getting yeah. it the day the article comes out, and if they start to see that trend over the course of a few weeks, they're like, you know, maybe we need to change this. Sometimes they're a bit slow on the upkeep, but uh, on the uptake, sorry. But uh, I think we're starting to see this year. I mean, you know, look, Buzz Rothfield had an article talking about how he's back in love with rugby league again after last year he said it was a shit game. Yeah. Um, people won't forget the fact he said it was a shit game. And just by him saying yeah. that he's back in love with the game again, while I applaud him for saying that, people don't buy it because saying you love the game once does not equate to the amount of times that you've heaped crap on it. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's there's something that just as a supporter you can do, and I've done this myself, if you stop taking in what the media is saying about rugby league and you stop watching the pregame shows, you stop reading the newspapers and all that sort of thing, and, and it does disconnect you a little bit by the buzz that's happening and, and some general discussion, but if you do that and all you do is you watch the games and that is it, your relationship with the game changes in a big way. And you start to go back to why you love the game in the first place. And you realize that a lot of what you read is just empty, empty sound, empty buzz, empty, you know, there's nothing to it. And it doesn't really mean anything at the end of the day. And I think that if a lot of people did that, and look, that means, you know, not going on Twitter, not listening to podcasts, you know, just being honest, not going on Facebook and getting engaging with people that are arguing about all sorts of crap. If you just go back to watching the games and you can refine your love for the game. And I think it's something that it's almost like a cleanse. You know, you go on a cleanse. Yeah. And I think that that is a good thing for rugby league fans to do every so often. I know I've done it a number of times and it's been good for me. Um, And that's why you'll see me disappear for a while and then I'll come back and all of a sudden I'm talking about how much I love this and I love that. And it's, it's a good thing. And, and that's something that I would encourage everybody to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that's, it's unfortunate that it's happened, but I'm absolutely grateful and fantastic for it. Uh, social media movements like, um, I think the best one is Footy Smiles. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen them or not. Yeah. Um, yep. They report on all of the great things that, that players do 
um, in the community. Mm-hmm. And unlike a lot of positive stories which come out where, um, and this is this is very rare it happens, I guess, but you know, you'll find some players will report on the fact that they did some good deed. It kind of yeah. feels like it's, did you do the good deed for the profile or did you do it because you actually wanted to do a good deed? Yeah. This this one has a lot of people who are reporting stories of great things that players have done for them, mm-hmm. but not things that the players have reported on. So you know it's a genuinely good deed that they've done. Yeah, yeah. Um, I urge anyone if you if you're fed up with the negative press and then, and stuff on there and how everyone seems to be rubbishing your club or players and whatnot, check out Footy Smiles. Um, that's the Twitter handle at Footy Smiles. Um, and you just you could just scroll through that for hours and see all the different players from every club and all the different unique things they're doing. Not just in Australia as well; they do have things from over in England too. Um, it's disappointing that it's come to that, but it also shows that that's a fan driven thing, and that yeah. shows what the fans are looking for. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's just disappointing, I guess, that the media has not seen this and not realised this beforehand. Yeah, and I don't think... I I think in some cases they don't know how to handle it and they don't know how to, to, most importantly, to monetise it. Um, But I think that it is coming. I I can't see that... You know, I think that what we're seeing with the mainstream media is basically under pressure from everything at the moment. Um, especially social media, and they will have to change the way that they do things to stay relevant. And I think what we're seeing right now is we're getting close to that tipping point of them having to get to that point where they're like, oh, man, we're we're on the verge of being completely irrelevant here. Um, and that's probably what we're picking up on. Yeah, look, I think, and obviously we're not saying that we want Hundred percent positive stories in a minute. We just want no. balanced reporting. Yeah, just, that's yeah. all we're after. Just give us fifty fifty down the middle. If something bad happens, of course report on it. Of course yeah, investigate 100%. it. Yeah, but you know, it's it's this argument I said last year is that if you get one negative story, mm-hmm. they will run it for one two weeks depending on how bad it is. I mean, think of the the Mitchell Pierce thing with the dog a few years ago. Yeah, <clears throat> that was all on all media channels everywhere: TV, free to wear, Fox, you know, Fox Sports everywhere they're all in newspapers mm-hmm. went on for one or two weeks but then you get one good story and it gets it gets picked up by a fan base thing and if it's lucky it gets a mention on a website maybe once or in a newspaper somewhere in a small column and then they move on and while <clears throat> and while the media outlet will say we do 50 50 percent reporting we know we've done good stories and bad stories and it's about 50 percent of each and going yeah but you're putting 200 percent more weight on the negative one and about ten mm. percent weight on the good one. So it doesn't come across as though it's fifty fifty, even though it might be. And that's yeah, and and the other thing is too, like <laughs> just stories, but talk about the performances of clubs and players. Like I can't believe this game, week yeah. that we're not looking at how well South Sydney's playing. Penrith played really, really well last weekend and South still beat them in Penrith. I cannot believe we're not talking about. I haven't seen that mentioned at all in the mainstream media. That it just went by the wayside. Um, you know, things like like Manly beating the the Raiders last weekend. 
I've hardly heard anything about it. The Sharks, uh, sorry, the the West Tigers come back against the Titans. Hardly heard anything about that. It's as though the the story surrounding the game sometimes take precedence over what we're all interested in, which is the actual game itself. And I would like to see that change in a big way because, like, we've seen some incredible f- performances. Things like, I mean, the the Dragons are maybe my favourite team to watch this year just because they smash teams. And they didn't do so well against the Roosters. You can't win every single game. But we, we haven't heard too much about... The, like, you've heard more about the coach at, at the Dragons more than the Dragons players and how they're actually playing, which is a great, brutal style of football. Um, We've heard more about, you know, the Bulldogs coach and their coaching situation more than we have heard about the fact that the Bulldogs started the season so poorly. And now they're not a very talented team in terms of other teams in the competition, but they're playing their guts out every week. And that's what I would rather hear about rather than all this other sound. Yeah, and it's all white noise. I mean, mm. I suppose it raises a good point. Why aren't people like Ben Darwin, who actually has a genuine profile, he's a former Wallaby for Christ's mm. sake, um, why isn't he on shows talking about, you know, properly analysing these aspects of the game? He's been on the field. He knows how, you know, what's going on there with a lot of things. Sure, union and league are different, but he does follow an awful lot of rugby league. He has to with mm. what he does. Um, and he's not negative about it. He's mm-hmm. an analyst, you know. Mm. And I mean, you're going to go listen to our conversation with him. He spoke about league almost, you know, almost entirely the whole show. Mm-hmm. So he's the sort of person that that shows like Fox, Fox Sports could have on there. Give him a half hour show with someone else, like mm-hmm. a, an actual a former player, like a Michael Lannis, for example. Yeah, you get that league perspective on there. You get the the data on the analytics side of it. And you would be able to do a deep dive into what's going on in the game, in the game, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah, not the exactly. stuff around it, but watching it, you know, what is it that makes Kalen Ponga so elusive when he's 10 metres out from the line on the left-hand side of the field? Yeah. Instead of just going, oh, it's Ponga on the left side of it, he's done this again. You know, let's break it down and see why is he good at that? Yeah, How exactly. is he able to do that? And that's the stuff you can get down to, which I think people would genuinely find interesting. Yep. And... It'd probably get just as much mileage and have a lot more intrigue about it, and people would be fascinated by it just as much, if not more so, than what you currently get. I don't see that you'd be going backwards by doing this, and it's yeah, a it... positive move that gives people education. It gets them involved in the game again. It sort of goes back to what I started with, where it's taking that next step to of um, fan involvement in the game. It's getting fans who probably have never played the game to understand why this is effective, why it works. And even for those who have played it, the difference between the level they played at and the elite level. Yeah, and exactly. I just think, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm biased because obviously I'm a huge fan of what Ben does and it's all stats-based stuff and analysts, so, you know, I love all that stuff. But to me, it just seems like something that I think a lot of people would actually generally be interested in instead of um, three weeks of talk about two coaches who are not going to do anything. Yeah, and we like we've talked about a lot of the the things we want to talk about on the podcast and people that we want to talk to on the podcast. And a lot of it is based in what is actually going on in the game as well. You know, the like 
I mean, one of the things I want to do is talk to a player, just a, it can, could be any player, not even a superstar, just about what it's like when you get an injury and what you go through when, you know, you can see a player get, say, a shoulder injury and by the next morning you're not really thinking about that player, but that player maybe hasn't slept all night and what it's like for them to recover from it and things like that. You know, things that are actually involved in being a rugby league player and that, that you just don't see too much of. And, you know, I think that that's one of the things we want to focus on um, with this podcast as well because it just it, there's just a big hole there that's not being talked about. Yeah, and it's the game. We, it's the it's rugby league. <laughs> well, that's right. That's the thing we, we've, we've sort of set out and wanted to do all along is we wanted to talk about you know, things that are going to engage fans, obviously that's your, that's your goal, but not in yeah. ways where we're sitting there talking about um, all the white noise and miseries around the game. I know we did an episode on the salary cap, but we tried to put a positive spin on it and talk about how it's working. Yeah. Um, we talked about things that could make it better. Everything had a positive inflection at the end. Yeah. Um, even the ones about the history of the game and things that happened in the past, we're always looking at ways to make the game better. That's the ultimate goal. We're not sitting there and looking at, you know, how can we crap on this plate this week? Mm-hmm. How can we continue this storyline that's been going on for three weeks now? Yeah. It just doesn't interest us. And we're finding that the fans are responding to that as well. The, the you know, what is it, 10 that we have? <laughs> yeah, it's great. They're loving it, you know. Hopefully by the end of next month we'll have 11. <laughs> but um, it's... I think it just gets a bit boring hearing the same stuff being shammed in, slammed in your throat day after day. Mm. And people people want fresh content, and you're not going to always get it from the negative stuff that's going on. And I think the media could do very well by listening to what the fans are saying and giving them a little bit more voice. And not so much taking that voice from them as they do with some some articles where they take someone's tweet and just rehash a conversation around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to do too much there. But, um, <laughs> you know, if you're going to do that, tweet, you know, give them a give them a plug in your actual Twitter hand, Twitter account where you've got a ton of mentions there, so they can get a bit of love and a bit of thanks and, exactly. and people can have a conversation with them. At least say you've got integrating a with the fan project. That's what you're saying. Let's do it. <laughs> say that you got your stuff from Rugby League Project and stop saying it's your work, you bastards. <laughs> so it's uh. Yeah, I don't mind if people are going to take stuff from there. It's obviously it's free, mm. but you know, we we don't we don't we don't charge anything. So yeah. how hard is it just to say you know sourced here? You don't have to give us a plug. Just put it in bloody fine print at the bottom if you have to. Exactly. Just a little mention wouldn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I may be I may be showing a bit of media bias there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I brought listen. I brought it up, and I was like, no, sick at all. I'm talking about media biases, in. I'm, I'm pretending like I'm some sort of media hotshot when I'm not, and I'm <laughs> towards my own well-being. <laughs> See, like, I'm a rugby league expert, and you can tell that because I wrote it in my Twitter bio. So I argue with it. Exactly. It's in the you bio. See, it's there. It's written. It's written down. That's, that's like when you see things like... um. Most feared columnist. Yeah. Must oh. be scary. Oh. That's why no one talks to him. I like it when, they're, <laughs> when there's, there's certain columnists 
and I don't need to mention names, but they 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 talk about their column in a third person as like a group. It's like this column, this week, this column. We said we mentioned this in this column last week, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I always find that amusing. Yeah. Uh, what's the story here? Your your column, the the author, or yeah. the actual, what what's the subject matter? Yeah. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit cloudy at times. It's a weird way to put it. It's like, ugh, I don't get it. Look, I'm going to say this, okay, because there's probably people out there who have... I doubt there is. But there's probably people out there who probably go through and check out every tweet and article I've ever written. So mm. I'll say it could probably be argued that there's a sense of hypocrisy what we're saying here. Mm. I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm. I'm, I've, never, I've never been one to... Uh, shy away from my, my stuff-ups. Mm. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave mistakes. If I make mistakes with, with stats and stuff on Twitter, I'll leave them yeah. there and correct yeah. them on Twitter. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's wise to be ashamed of your mistakes. Everyone makes them. And I think yeah. it shows a sense of... Um, of um, probably integrity more than anything that you're happy to have your mistakes out there and show that you've understood that you made an error and you fix it. Well, Whereas I, like I think the, people who go and um, remove all the content and try and re- rephrase things or whatever it is or, you know, disappear or <laughs> block a whole lot of people. That's the thing. I don't, I don't get this whole blocking caper that a lot of opinion writers have. See, um, the best thing, I, we talked about this before, like <laughs> the worst predictions we'd ever made. And, and my one is just a beauty. And it was, I think it was last year, where I said that the the North Queensland Cowboys were going to be juggernaut, they were only going to lose a couple of games the whole season, that the Storm would would not be able to get near them and stuff, and the Cowboys were terrible last year, like absolutely terrible. And I just I think it's so funny that I was so wrong about the Cowboys last year, and but that's something you've got to be willing to put your hand up and say, man, I was so wrong about the Cowboys, like it, it was just a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> an absolute tragedy about how how badly I got that wrong, and uh, you know you got to wear you got to wear the ones that you you get wrong, you get completely wrong, and that's as bad as it gets. Uh, didn't even get close to being that club, and you know I think even their form this year shows how wrong I was about that. And you got to wear it. You know, you can't be right all the time. And sometimes you're going to get it absolutely terribly wrong, you know, 180 degrees from where you think it was going to be. But, you know, that's life. It's okay. You can be wrong. Exactly. It's allowed. Yeah. And you're not going to get, you're not going to die or be crucified for it. No. And there's this, I don't know, it probably transcends to other areas, but there's this whole focus on trying to be perfect. Yeah. Um, it's, I just don't, it just seems like so much effort. It really does. And I'd rather, like, I'd rather just appear human and flawed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's very strange, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? Um, uh, yeah. So look, as uh, I suppose one other thing I want to touch on, which was, I suppose ties into the subject as well is opinion writers. This is not mm. anyone in particular, just opinion mm. writers who um, write stuff that's designed to cause 
divide in opinions and create conversation because mm-hmm. that's what opinion writing is all about. Mm-hmm. You, you you want people to either go yes or no. You don't want any sort of people to go, yeah, I can see both sides of that argument. I'll just sit on the fence with him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to to drive drive um, interest and conversation. Yeah. But those people who write that sort of stuff, and to be honest, they do it well because mm-hmm. they do get a lot of conversation, whether it's positive mm-hmm. or not. But they go on social media, and when they have people confronting them on there about why they don't like what they've said or written or done, they block them. Yeah, and uh, it, this got, is something I that I've... That. It might, look, my website is an opinions website, and the... The thing that when I started my website that I wanted to do was promote discussion. And I, so I love it when I'll write something and there's a lot of discussion about it. And I, you always hope that the discussion is good discussion because sometimes it can devolve into just slanging matches between groups of fans or, or things like that. Um, but and, and we've seen it with the podcast. We've talked about subjects that pr- have promoted Incredible discussion. You know, the salary cap is is one of them in particular. Um, I think that the stuff regarding Israel Folau and, and his his uh, social media posts in particular was another good one. There's a lot of different areas that you try and promote discussion through what you're talking about. And look, this whole podcast is is based around that. But um, you've got to be willing to embrace the discussion and. And talk to people about their opinions, and we've talked about this before as well. Where come up with come up with an idea, and you could change our opinions. If you've come, if you come up with something that's really good, I'm willing to change my opinion on every subject in the game because I want to learn. I want to learn about because you want to push the game forward in some in some things. We're fans of the game, and we want the game to improve. So if someone can come up with a better idea. Like, by all means, you know, tell me about it. We'll talk about it. We'll try and find the errors in each other's ideas because you want to get to a point where you say, you know what, this seems like the way forward for the game. Um, And you've got to embrace that part of it. You can't sort of shy away from it and say, well, look, this is what I think of the game and that's not going to change. And if you think differently, you're completely wrong. Um, And look, I've done that myself in the past. Likewise. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not the way to go. It's not the way to just put down an opinion and say, this is how it should be, and I don't want to hear anything else about it. You've got to be willing to listen to what people say because, you know what, you might be wrong. True. I think even if you want to stick to your guns, though, mm-hmm. I don't see how blocking someone is of any way of any benefit to you. Um mm. I, I don't block anyone. Mm-hmm. I've got people who I probably could have, mm-hmm. but I just figure, I, I don't know. I I don't know that I take social media that seriously to mm-hmm. to get that upset over stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people just like me are entitled to have their opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm entitled to argue with them. I'm entitled not to agree with any of it, just like they're mm-hmm. entitled to not agree with mine. doesn't mean they're, they're assholes or that I'm an asshole. No. And and you like to get to a point where you talk to people about the game and if you do have two differing opinions, you just say, well, we've got to agree to disagree. Yeah, at some point it'll get to as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. um, As long as it doesn't get to the point where you're just calling each other swear words. 
Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's not helpful for anyone. Yeah, and I hate that. It's like, I mean, we did the salary cap um, <laughs> podcast. That is the last podcast. It's a really good one. It's gone off its head. It's been fantastic. And we got some good discussion out of that. But then you also saw some other discussion where I saw people commenting on it that just literally did not listen to the podcast. And you could tell by what they were saying. And there was a few times where I said you should listen to it. You'd probably enjoy it. Um, you know, you want to have good discussion about the game. And, and that's something that which we try and do here when we do our podcasts. And, you know, it, like change our minds. Please f- give us information or, or ideas and opinions that will make us change our minds. Um because that, to me, is really interesting. When I see somebody tweet something back at us about something we've said in the podcast and they come up with something really good and you're like, oh, wow, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> that that's exciting to me. I love that part of it. And, yeah, that's that's you want to get people on that challenge your opinions and, and that's what we're going to try and do as we go forward with the podcast is get people that have different ideas to us and have different perspectives, have different experiences. Um, that's what I'm really looking forward to with all of this sort of stuff because, you know, you do not want to live in the bubble. We don't want to turn this into an echo chamber. No, that's exactly right. It's um, It helps that we're both fans we've been – fans for quite a while and involved in the game in, in different ways and in, um, let's be honest, writing in very different styles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I've been right all the time and, you know, I don't know, oh, you've been doing Jesus. <laughs> I, I've, just been, I've just been writing the, the dull, boring stuff all the time. <laughs> Match reports and history and stats. I mean, who's going to read that rubbish? <laughs> oh, man. Other than me. No, it's fantastic. Like, it's funny. We went into we when we were doing the salary cap article. We started to do a deep dive into the Panthers just before they won the premiership in two thousand and three. And we could have done a podcast just on talking about the different players and where they ended up. And like, there was at one point we were talking about we didn't know that this player was related to this player, and it was incredible. It, it it's. You know, you could go into them deep dives. I'm sure we could do like a podcast that no one else would listen to because we're geeking out about, you know, <laughs> these clubs that don't exist anymore or, you know, what happened to this player after they they stopped playing the game. It, it's it's really interesting how you can go into these different areas. Um, and I'm sure we'll do it eventually. We'll, we'll get to a point where we do a podcast and people start messaging us saying like, what the hell were you two talking about? <laughs> but, you know, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about with the media, mate? No, not really. I think we've said everything we wanted to say, and it's it's a ve- it's very varied, and we've talked about the things we like to see, the things we don't like to see, um, the changing um the changing, I guess, dynamics of the media, the things that they're facing up against. And and it'll be interesting to see how it changes over the next 10 years because there have been a lot of different things that have come together over probably the last 20-plus years that have seen us get to this point with rugby league mainstream media. And I think going forward, it's probably going to change again as the dynamics change. And it'll be interesting to see what it's like in another 10 years' time.
Yeah, I agree. It's um, there's especially with the the NRL and all of the clubs doing a lot of their own content now, and a lot of mm. it being um quite positive and engaging stuff. Obviously, mm. they're not doing any negative stuff there. Um, it is putting a bit of pressure on on mainstream media to keep up on that side of the things as well as still reporting on the negative things that need to be reported on. Mm-hmm. Um, I do stress that that still has to happen. We we need that. The, that is important part of, you know, democracy really in anywhere. You need to yeah. see the good and the bad. Um, yeah. and, but it's and got to be balanced. I guess the other thing is too that uh, we're basically setting up this podcast for the time that, Yvonne Samson comes on and just takes it over and runs with it. <laughs> That's right. So it could also be a last hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess uh, in, in wrapping up, I, I just wanted to know if, if you'd be okay with me giving a plug to a few other podcasts. Go for been, it. Uh, Go for it. I mean, So I've been doing a regular spot this year on uh, Full Credit to the Boys. Mm-hmm where I basically just give them stats, most of which um, I, I think the intended purpose was I was to give them unique stats that would be somewhat useful for the upcoming games. Uh-huh. And it seems to have transcended into me giving them a bunch of really useless stats and pretty much every week shitting on Mitch Moses. Oh, jeez. So um, if, if that sort of suits what you're after, then you can always tune in and listen to my little bit, usually at the back end of each episode. Um, so, yeah, they've been... Um, let me do plugs for the show on there an awful lot. And I've also got a bit of a trend on there of downplaying the show a bit. So I've got a bit of a mocked a bit over there for that. Um, another one is sports best friends. Um, I don't know if they've given the, this show a plug yet, but they've always been having um, tweets and stuff by me on there and giving me a bit of promotion on there. So um, big, big tiger and the rest of the guys there, you know, thanks for that. Um, I'm sure there's been a few others. I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's there's definitely a few out there. I listen to a heap of them. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of podcasts. I mean, uh, League by the Fireplace. They've they've retweeted some of our stuff, which has been fantastic. Um, and, and look, I'm I'm terrible at remembering names and things like that. And I'm sure over time we'll we'll uh-huh. probably do podcasts with some of these people, bring them on as guests and and things like that. And it was but, also on. I was going to say it was also on League Digest, and the yeah. uh, I was an interviewee with Tony Collins on his one, Rugby Reloaded. Yeah. Um, yeah. those two are cracking ones. League Digest is on a bit of a uh, vacation at the moment, but they're doing a whole heap of. I suppose similar to what we do in some respects, where except instead of talking about how it relates to to now, they just go into deep dives on stuff that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think they're doing a, a whole heap of retro stuff later on this year. So, um, yeah, people should get over there and check that out when the stuff's coming out. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. And Tony Collins ones, I mean, they're little ten minute piece ones. They're they're bloody fascinating, and they're all about one specific thing about the game in the past. It could be, you know. Um, the rules around how scrums were first brought into the game or changed or whatever else, you know, it could be any little thing like that. And they're pretty mm-hmm. fascinating. And he is the the king of rugby league history. Yeah, um, I would say him and, and Sean Fagan are the, the two... I, they've always been the two go-to people for me. Definitely. <clears throat> yeah, they are the the absolute peak. Mm. Yeah, and so, for stats, I go to the, the super guru, which is you. Oh, I'm a super guru now. Super guru. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been upgraded from dull. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I didn't realize the next level up from Dull was Super Guru. That's super Guru, cool. yeah, it's a bit of a step up. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's there's about a uh, great pyramid between those two steps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, God, I love that stuff. It's so dull, but I, I just love it. <laughs> and if I want to go and get outraged, I'll always go to leaguefreak.com. Oh, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I go to news.com.au. It's got to be said at some point in here that, that that website would come up. Yeah, I, I like to see the uh, brand new Kmart hacks that someone's come up with. It's like, oh, I can't get enough of those Kmart hacks. <laughs> Yeah, I look at those and go, why don't just buy the proper thing that you want instead of yeah. hacking some piece of crap furniture from Kmart, for Christ's yeah. sake. It's fantastic. It's great. Okay. Look, you can turn this beach ball into an exercise ball. You know, just go buy an exercise ball, for Christ's yeah. sake. Yeah, yeah. Look, you it's can brilliant. turn this bottle into a vase. Just buy a vase. <laughs> All this time you're wasting turning things into things that already exist, you could have been spending that time looking up stats. Exactly, you know, and that's not wasted time at all. That's fantastic. Not at all wasted. Yeah, it's like if you don't know how many first grade games Shane Elford played, you just you're not living. You're not living at all. You have a, you've had a pretty sheltered life. Yeah, exactly. And just for the record, it's 148. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a lie. People go check that up. I'm wrong. No, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, that was that was entertaining. Um, I think that touches on an idea you had for another episode. So we'll. Uh, I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah, we will talk about it off air. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a few weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, it was basically you're going to put me on the spot. Oh yes, we yeah yeah we'll do that soon. All I'm thinking is it's just be an episode of me going. Click, 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 click. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to find a way to fill the dead air. Uh, maybe come up with some, I don't know, rugby league trivia. I can say while you, while while you're looking it up. So say feed Mason some some um, sleeping pills so we can just have him snoring a lot louder. Yeah, just a snoring episode. So that'll be that'll be fantastic. We'll call, <laughs> although a snoring episode would be the rugby union episode, but you know. <laughs> Can't be too nasty on you now. We've had Ben Darwin on. I know, I know. You, you were very restrained in that episode. I was very, uh, very pleased with how you performed there. See, I have self control sometimes. That's so right. It just depends. Balanced reporting, mate. That's what it is. Yeah. Wow, what a segue. <laughs> All right. On that note, um, we'll wrap up and say you can catch us on Facebook at uh, Facebook's. Uh, was it Fergo and the Freak on there? Uh, set on YouTube, Fergo and the Freaks on there as well. All the ep- all eleven episodes so far on there, plus this one when it comes up. Um, we are working on having the Twitter one sorted out sometime whenever Twitter gets around to it. And obviously, you can catch League Freak on Twitter at League Freak. I'm on there at Andrew RLP. You can drop us a line at the email address podcast at leaguefreak.com. Um, you can send us a letter. We don't have a letterbox, so you just put it in the in the mail somewhere and someone will read it. It's like so, Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, other than that, I mean, God, there's uh, you can get us on Spotify, iTunes, um, all of those podcast places. 
yeah. pretty much all of them. Stitcher, you know, everything. Podbean. Although if they're listening to this right now, they've worked that out, hey? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I can just drop that line in future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd probably say you can't listen to us on pillows, um, you know, ceramic wear. Yeah. At, at Dimmicks. Exactly. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, we'll wrap this one up with another good bit of rambling at the end. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you all next time.